Greetings, Parallax Views listeners. This is J.G. Michael's other podcast, Failed State Update, co-hosted by me, Joseph L. Flatley. We're giving you a taste of our latest episode, and if you want to hear the whole two hours, make sure you either go to failedstateupdate.com or search for Failed State Update in your podcast app of choice. Consequences. They sure suck, don't they? America was built on freedom. Not on a bunch of people with more money than you telling you what you can and can't do with all their stupid laws. Laws are arbitrary. Hi, my name is Daniel Music, and I'm a criminal defense attorney based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I stand ready, willing, able, and committed to defend you on all manner of criminal charges, including murder, arson, burglary, bank robbery, simple and aggravated assault, and possibly even funny throwback crimes such as moonshining or pickpocketing. When you're charged with a serious criminal offense, you're facing the fight of your life. You need a lawyer who understands you and understands where you're coming from. That is an actual commercial by a former Pittsburgh lawyer named Daniel Musig. Musig is a Pittsburgh folk hero. Any day now, he will go to prison for five years for conspiring to distribute 100 kilograms or more of marijuana, that's the charge, and possession of marijuana. He was busted by an FBI task force who identified him through a wiretap. Of course he broke the law, but should we be sending anyone to jail over marijuana? The fact is, even though we live in a world where marijuana is quasi-legal, there's still a prohibition. The illegal pot business is full of very shady people doing very dangerous stuff, which is why the rewards are so great. When music was busted, they found almost half a million dollars in cash. What does it say about this country that someone would have to go to such lengths to pay off their student loans? For this episode of Failed State Update, we are going to hear co-host J.G. Michael's epic two-hour interview with Daniel Musig. It's a wide-ranging conversation covering everything from American drug law to Jewish mob history in Pittsburgh's Squirrel Hill neighborhood specifically, and the details of the case, uh, the man that some people are calling a real-life Saul Goodman. So I encourage you to give it a listen and if um you're moved by uh, daniel's story and want to do something uh pardonsnow.com is kind of a political campaign that's popped up around daniel's case and more importantly around the case of so many other people that have had their lives ruined over this ridiculous marijuana prohibition thanks dan one thing i've realized is that the paradigmatic niceties of human interaction when you're in a situation like this become really perverse. I don't like beat people over the head with it. I do answer honestly when people who know my situation ask me like, but like if I'm on the phone with customer service or something and they're like, how are you? I'm not like, I'm going to prison. Cause like, what, what is that? You know, you're just dropping that on someone's lap. But when someone who knows what's up, asks me, I just tell them the truth. I, I, just, I, I don't, I'm so beaten down at this point. I don't even have the energy to, to lie anymore. You know, 
So I want to get into your case and, uh, you know, Joe Biden's uh, broken promises uh, about, you know, uh, pot and marijuana and whatnot. But before we do that, I think listeners are wanting to, go wanting, wanting to know right off the bat, in, in case they're not from Pittsburgh or they haven't heard about it before, why you became known as the real life uh, Saul Goodman. So prior to my infamy as being one of the region's largest or the largest organized uh, cannabis trafficker, I was a brash, hard-charging, left-wing criminal defense attorney, and I made a satirical ad when I got out of law school advertising my services in a commercial called Thanks, Dan, where it showed uh, various criminals committing different kinds of crimes, and then it would have an infographic that showed the crime they committed, and then they turned to the camera and thank me. And then I, it was, it was very better call Saul ask. It was really, really funny and ham handed and campy. The one thing that was crazy about it was I used actual street guys, like real crooks in the commercial. Oh, really? Wow. Those, those are all like real street guys. There's I, like maybe one or two of them aren't criminals, but like they're all <clears throat> pretty crazy dudes. A bunch of them are. I mean, so, one so of the, was guys the from- prostitute really a prostitute. <laughs> no, she was actually the only, she, she was, she was an actress. But like the guy with the braids, that's my cousin. He went to prison like three weeks after the commercial came out and got out like in July. Um, One of the guys in front of the court was a graffiti writer and a street guy. He unfortunately got murdered a few years ago. Um, The two guys who are the armed robbers, they were Wiz Khalifa's or are Wiz Khalifa's bodyguards. You know, real serious dudes with a serious reputation from the city. Um, The guy breaking out of my apartment. I think he had a laptop. Uh, he's a war hero from, uh, Iraq. He was in the 28th infantry division. Now he's an anti-war activist and an artist. So there's just some like really, really like actual, like real people in that commercial, which is one of the jokes. Then the other joke was that I was, Oh, and the old guy in it was the guy, Dale, that I had the store with. I had the underground pot store with, and where it was filmed in the back, that was the location of the pot store. If the camera had panned like a foot to the left, you would have seen the awning and the stairs that I've described in the other podcasts where thousands of customers for almost a decade went to get their weed every day in Pittsburgh before the dispensaries opened. So for people who really knew what's up, it was a funny joke. And I didn't, I want to say this too. I didn't do it to um, flip off authority or like make myself a hot boy and be like, ha ha, I'm committing crimes. Fuck you. Look at me and all my criminal friends, assholes. I, yeah, did I, I was going to say really briefly, I, I saw some of the news coverage of it. I mean, it was covered in places like uh, the Times of Israel. It was covered uh, locally here. I just always took it as a, you know, a funny little video that was maybe uh, poking fun at, you know, certain stereotypes. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, <clears throat> And I was doing it as a means to an end because I just gotten out of law school and I didn't want to have to go back to selling weed. And um, it was a really regressive marketplace and I needed to hang out my shingle and establish myself and get some clients. And I, you know, it's going to take a decade or more for experience to accrue. So the only way I can really do it quickly would be through, you know, the great American medium of advertising. So that's what I attempted to do it really like wasn't the people it pissed off. It wasn't intended to offend them in retrospect. Obviously they were always going to be offended because fascists don't have a sense of humor is one of my lines that I say a lot. And the thing is that I realized 
in mocking the American criminal justice system, the reason the commercial struck a nerve and everyone thought it was funny and it went viral, because also remember, this is one of the most unlikely viral videos ever. Like there's not a girl twerking in it. There's not like, uh, you know, guys like setting themselves on fire, like jackass style. It's not a popular music video from an artist that people are super checking for and has a lot of clout and hype. I'm trying to think of other things that like go very viral. You know, it's not like a, a one minute sketch from a really famous comedian. That's super crazy, whatever, just, you know, normal things that would go viral. This is a four and a half minute long ad for legal services. You know, it's not, it's not a quick video, you know, it's a, has a narrative portion. It has acting portions. So for it to go viral, it really had to touch a nerve. People really had to think it was fucking funny. And one thing I've learned in this whole pro, I've learned a lot of horrible things in this process, but one thing I've learned, one adage is, when something is funny and it one makes people laugh and two pisses people off, it's because it's true. It wasn't true. If the criminal justice system wasn't a joke, <clears throat> millions of people <clears throat> wouldn't have devoted their four minutes of their time on the internet to liking it and sharing it, you know, just would have died a death in the corner of the internet, like 99.99999% of all other content that's created in the history of the world would have gotten 500 views, 200 views, or even been a moderate success, you know, a couple thousand views, 10,000 views it would have run its course or whatever. The reason that it caught fire was it was funny because it was true. So I want to get into, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the various people that show up in the video. And I, I wanted to ask you, uh, did you direct it or did you hire a director? Because I, no, I thought I, it was I, very I, smooth. I had a director for it who's a really, really good director and a super professional. I definitely um, had a large role in it. I definitely wrote it, you know, like what people said in it was largely what I had inputted them to say because I wrangled the talent, so to speak. And um, I also, my speech was extemporized. I literally made that up off the top of my head. That's what I wanted to talk about next. So uh, all these characters show up, they say, thanks, Dan. And then we see someone sitting in a seat. You turn around and you yeah, say, the consequences. Yeah, the, 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 the chair spins around and you say, consequences. They sure suck, don't they? Uh, talk about this speech that you gave and uh, why people were so upset with it. Well, I mean, it's just so anti. I mean, if you're like a baby boomer, baby boomer adjacent authoritarian person that really ascribes to like our, you know, Calvinistic morality in our country, then me saying consequences suck. Like, of course, consequences suck. You have to make good decisions. God, law, country, you know. I'm really just saying, I mean, look, man, nobody wants to deal with the consequences of the fucking dumb shit they do. Like, can't we have can't we have a little grace? You know, like, isn't everyone in, I mean, I'm a, you know, isn't everyone entitled to, uh, you know, one do over one mulligan. I sure think I was entitled to one. I mean, shit, all I ever did was sell a fuck ton of weed and make fun of some people. And now I have to, and, and I did three things. I sold a fuck ton of weed. I made fun of the American, American criminal justice system. And I refused to rat on anybody. So because of that, I have to go do a five piece in the feds, but yeah, no, nah, I mean, they hated it because, you know, their entire system rests on consequences and fear of consequences. So someone lampooning that entire moral legalistic construct, it really struck a nerve in ways that I'm still analyzing and other people are to this day. It's like a unique cultural gem in its own way, just for that reason, <clears throat> because it really pissed off the criminal justice establishment because their entire ethos, not just for professionally, but as people, 
kind of rests, hinges, is buttressed by the fact that consequences are just, the system's just, the system works largely. And to have someone just explode that in real life, who was actually a lawyer too. That's the one thing. I mean, Better Call Saul, they could probably laugh at, but they never had to see Better Call Saul in the court. Were you thinking of uh, Better Call Saul when you did the video or? No, you know what? To be honest, I really, really wasn't. And I mean that I really wasn't. I, I, you know, I don't, I guess, I guess it was at the same time. See, I don't know if there was the Better Call Saul show was out yet or if he was just a character in Breaking Bad. Um, you know, um, the guy, honestly, if there's anyone that I would give any credit to for inspiring me to do the commercial, it was not Better Call Saul. It was another real lawyer. It was a guy from Texas named Adam Raposa, who was a former punk rock musician, I think. And I don't even think he's a lawyer anymore. I think he grows weed now. But, you know, I never spoke to him, but he was also like a very, very out there, highly unlikely guy to become a lawyer. And he was really aggressive in court and he was really adamant about, you know, forcing rights for his clients. He did not he was not one of these defense attorneys that went golfing with his counterparts, as you know, people always like, oh, you went golfing with the judge or the pro. No, nah, Adam Raposa didn't golf with fucking anybody. He go to jail all the time for, you know, not listening to what the judge told him, you know, the judge would be like, shut up. He'd be like, no, you shut up. And he'd like go do contempt time. So he had a commercial. I don't even think his didn't even make as much sense as mine. It was almost like a Jimmy, the cab driver, MTV style, like lawyer commercials. Very, very like meta and weird, but like he was like smashing a car with like cinder blocks and shit. Like I'm a fucking attorney. I'm Adam Raposa. And I remember. And so mine was different than his. Cause mine was much more slick and kind of staged. <laughs> And different personalities because he was a, I guess, a more down south, like Austin guy, like a true, like kind of freaky Austin guy. I'm like a street, I'm like a Jewish kind of like mobster adjacent hip hop dude from Pittsburgh. So like I, that that was, I was a street guy, street kid who became a streetwise adult from Pittsburgh. So my shit was more slick, but he inspired me to know that I could do, I, I just seeing that I was like, wow you can be a really weird lawyer and make a really fucking weird commercial and just basically like toss a cinder block in a small pond and like watch the ripples. Because I'll say this after my commercial, I re- it was all like a whirlwind, you know, but after my commercial, I remember there were some bizarre legal commercials coming out. Like there was that one that aired during the Super Bowl where the guy was like riding the motorcycle, like through like the flaming graveyard. And he like dug up his brother's grave and said that he was going to like put the cops in jail for killing his brother. Like it was such a fucking like, I mean, it literally looked like a WWE WWF, like, like fight card primer ad. So I remember like I blew the door off that shit when I mean, just, just as he perceptually opened the my eyes in an abstract sense as to what could be done clearly so many people copied my shtick afterwards because they were like okay you can get away with making an ad like this the thing that they didn't the thing they weren't doing was trapping at the same time which is where i verge into folkloric or like a character of legend and not in a good way because people be like this guy's legendarily a fucking idiot but you know like as i did what i knew how to do we'll put it like that Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.